You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the eighth episode of The Handicast. The Handicast is a part of Disability After Dark, where we sit down and talk about our new venture, Handy, where we have decided to create the first line of sex toys for and by disabled people, along with awesome products like our new book, The Handy Book of Love, Loss, and Disability, which is available for pre-order right now on our site, shameless plug, www.that'shandy.co. One of the things we've done with this book, which I'm really, really proud of, is we've brought together some awesome members of the disability community who have done some really cool things for us. And today I want to introduce you to two of them. And I want to introduce you to Dandy Doodles, who is not only a contributor of our book, but also a amazing artist who <coughs> Oh no, as I choke on some as I choke on my as I choke on something really big. No. Um <laughs> who's an amazing artist who's done some artwork for the book. All of the artwork for the book. A lot of the artwork for the book. Um and I'd also like to introduce you to Julian Gavino, who is a contributor and who is a social media darling who's done so many things around disability activism that we had to have him in the book. And so I'm going to talk to them today about one of our central themes in the book is coming out and what it means to come out not only as queer or gay or however you identify, but also as disabled and what that means for all of us. So that's, that's a theme we'll be exploring today. And I want to introduce you to both of our guests. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Dandy, how are, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you've just gotten up and I've been awake for several hours, so I think I'm slightly <laughs> more alert because um, I'm here in the UK, so the time difference is, is quite wide. Yeah, you're, cr- yeah. you're across the pond, and and so I am. Dandy, Dandy I want to start with you, and I want to I want to say to you first of all, thank you so much for putting together the amazing doodles for the book. And if anyone has seen our has seen the kind of artwork that we've been teasing over the last few months, it's a picture of all the contributors in an amazing backdrop as a as an illustration. And so what Dandy did was take all of our photos and make them a beautiful piece of art and we are so so excited by that but before we jump into that dandy i'd love i'd love for you to kind of share with us what your disabilities are and how they impact your day today yeah um so i have suffered from a neurological disease called let me say this myalgic encephalomyelitis i've, I've had to learn to do that it's my party trick and um it's it's, it's basically uh, thank you it, it took a long time especially with my well, I'll get on to my brain issues. Um, <laughs> I have um, lots of issues with my memory. Um, all my muscles are in constant pain. Um, for a very long time, um, I wasn't actually able to speak or um, think with any clarity. I've been essentially bedbound now for two years. Um, and um, I'm also a wheelchair user and I use crutches. And um, so I've become... Uh, quite physically uh, disabled as well as mentally disabled so I still am unable to I can't read a book and I can't do any kind of arithmetic whereas before I was you know doing statistics in my degree I, I can't do anything like that now but I've discovered that I can draw quite well <laughs> so swings around about 
<laughs> yes, you can. You certainly, <clears throat> you certainly can draw super well. And again, if you go on that that handy website and look at our book and look at some of the things we've been teasing on our social media, you'll see Dandy's handiwork everywhere. Handiwork? See what I did there? Yeah. Oh, yes. Very, very good, Andy. <laughs> uh, and so, so Julian, I, I wanted to also welcome you on. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I'd love to ask you the same question. Can you tell us a little bit about how your disabilities impact your day-to-day and what they are? And yeah, we'll start there. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, So I'm a disabled and trans activist. So I do a lot of different things, modeling, writing, uh, marketing, social media management. Um, And I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So it is a genetic connective tissue disorder. And since you have connective tissue everywhere, um, it affects a lot of areas of your body. Like for me, um, I have a heart condition. I have a feeding tube because of my GI issues. Um, I have a lot of reproductive issues going on, which affects my sex life a lot, which I'm sure that we'll talk about. <laughs> um, I use a wheelchair because it's affected me neurologically. Um, so, yeah, pretty much affects uh, everything, honestly. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I did a, I did an episode on L.S. Danlos Syndrome a few months back and kind of just did the research on my own to learn about what that was. And it's a, it's a treat. It's a smorgasbord of like, wow, that's a lot of stuff that people can go through. Yeah. It just, like, is one of those things where, like, if you looked at someone's medical chart, it would look like they have, like, 50 conditions, but it, it's really like Eller, it's, it's the pyramid, like Ehlers-Danlos is at the top, and then it just causes, like, destruction and everything, like, just wrecks everything. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a smorgasbord of disability joy, I'm sure. Um, Dandy, so I want to start with you on this next question. One of the themes that I love, to, one, of the thing, one of the themes that, let me try words. One of the themes that we have kind of sussed out in our in our doing this book is coming out. And we've talked about coming out as both disabled and as queer and as every kind of way there is to do. So, Dandy, in the book, you sent us a really, really awesome quote about coming out. And I'd love for you to do two things for me. I'd love for you to read the quote to us and what it is. And I'd love for you to then speak on what that quote is and how it's important to you. I can certainly try and read it for you, Andrew. Awesome. <laughs> and if you need help, I can read it too. Let me know. Um, do you want me to read the whole thing? Sure. Or whatever you're, <laughs> whatever, whatever you're comfortable in reading. <laughs> okay. When I was a teenager, the worst thing I could possibly imagine would be anyone finding out that I was queer. Now it's something I openly announce, a label I embrace. It still feels kind of rebellious. I found the same thing is true for my identity as a disabled person. My queerness acted as a kind of dry run, teaching me that there is great power in choosing to define yourself on your own terms. I also enjoy subverting what people think a typical disabled person should look like. Disabled people are supposed to be silent and shrink into the background. People work hard to avoid noticing us in public spaces. I think this particular... Oh, hold on. Again, words. I think this partially is out of pity for our plight, but mostly out of a deep-rooted fear of becoming disabled or dependent themselves. 
People cannot bear to imagine themselves becoming disabled. They other us to maintain their sense of control over their own lives. Every time I leave the house loudly dressed, confident in my own identity, I'm doing some of the work to combat this othering. If people can see me as a fully realised complex human being with... And then the quote ends, Andrew, that you sent me. <laughs> oh, it does. Yes, that's right. So that's, that's it's great. That's what we'll ended there. <laughs> so let's just talk a little bit about Nanny about your, and tell us more about your coming out experience as both queer and disabled. Yeah, so um, I came out quite late. Um, I sort of came out to my friends, I think, when I was about 24. And it was a process of around six months. Um, I first sort of came out as bisexual and now I settle more on sort of pansexual or queer. I prefer the word queer in general. I find it's a good word to encompass gender identity as well as sexuality. Um, But yeah, I I was organising my town's first ever Pride and the town I live in is very small. It's a very historic town, very uh, conservative in its politics. Um, Yeah, so um, that's what I was doing and I was... um, I was basically right on the cusp of coming out. My town was essentially learning that I was queer because I was like, hello, I'm organising this big queer event. So you're literally the only gay in the village? (laughs) Well, I found out that I wasn't because hundreds of people turned up. It was very surprising, Um, but not surprising at the same time. But yeah, it was was actually on that very day. I've been so busy, you know, up and about that I I basically collapsed. Um, And from that day onwards, I was unable to function. So... It was a bit of a kick in the teeth, to be honest, because, <laughs> I'd, I'd, you know, I'd finally been like, you know what, I'm going to tell the world who I am and I don't care what people think. And I'm going to, you know, get rid of all this self-hatred and just like love myself for who I am. And then suddenly I couldn't walk or speak or get myself to the toilet overnight. It was just, it was very, it was shocking and bizarre and it felt very cruel at the time. But it meant that, you know, as I started within six to 12 months started to very slowly regain my faculties and regain the ability to you know be myself and to go onto social media and be myself it kind of just seemed easy to come out as a disabled person because it was like you know what I've already done this and I've been through all of this processing of like this fight between myself and like oh should I announce who I am or should I hide it or should I so I immediately you know got an electric wheelchair and there were I had a lot of murmurs from people saying oh isn't that giving up and you know do you want to be you know seen going around in a wheelchair you know what what will people and I just thought do you know what like Andrew can we swear on this podcast yeah, of course you can yeah swear and away I thought fuck you I, th- I thought I've, <laughs> I've, I've fought too hard to you know announce who I am and be proud of who I am to then go backwards because of this illness and because of this condition and it's other people that have a problem with who I am I have no problem with it. it's other people that have a problem if I'm wearing you know a rainbow jumper and look queer and it's other people's problem if you know they see me in a wheelchair looking queer and they're confused by you know the mismatch of identity that they can't quite work out and put into their little boxes I think I think with disabled people particularly people find it confusing that you're more than one thing that you're more than being disabled. Yeah. They can't quite hold that intersection in their head that you could be multiple things at once. And I quite enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think I think it's so I think it's so powerful to be more more than one thing. And yeah. I, I love much like what you you know you you said you like to in your quote you said you like to play with that you like to you like to kind of subvert those things. And so do I. I think it's one of my favorite parts about being 
queer and disabled, and now for me using the they pronoun, I'm able to say like oh, this this using that pronoun for me coming out as as using he and they recently has really allowed me to not not give a fuck what people think about my disability or my queerness because they is a not a catch-all, but it feels a really, like a really comfortable term to be like, I can be all these things, or I can be none of these things, and it doesn't matter, and like this is, this is it. So it does feel really, I love playing with the fact that people can't handle that you're supposed to be, that you're, that you are allowed to be more than one thing, and I think, you know, it's really sad that if you're disabled, you're supposed to be disabled. And then if you're disabled, you're supposed to be sad and pitiable and like re- like sitting in your house crying all the time which believe me we've all done we've all had those moments i'm sure oh. we have but it's really kind of it's just sad that we're that our society hasn't yet allowed us to be more than one thing when when we've been here the whole time being like we were here before you gave us these rules so leave us alone 100 um, I, I, yeah i 100% agree and also you know i think the particular discomfort people feel when you're, you know, disabled and queer is that it also forces them to acknowledge that you're a sexual being at all. Yeah. I think people are very uncomfortable with that. And by saying I'm queer and you're sort of announcing that you have a preference, they find that very affronting. And they're almost, it's almost like they, they sort of, I, I don't understand some people. I mean, this is with all sexualities. When you sort of say, oh, I'm gay. And they immediately start imagining you having sex and how uncomfortable that makes them feel. Imagining it's like, don't imagine it then. Why are you getting up in my business and like imagining what I'm doing? And like, <laughs> you're yeah. choosing to do that. It's so bizarre. It is really bizarre. And very quickly before we move to Julian, because I want to ask a whole bunch of questions to Julian as well. But before we do that, I really want to very quickly say to you that must have been really tough to. On the day you were gonna like embrace your queerness, your body was like, "Guess what? You're gonna embrace another identity too. Deal with it." Like that—that that couldn't have been easy for you. No, it was—it was a real shock, and for a long time, like you know, I—I I mean, I couldn't think very coherently, but that was certainly something that sort of stung me. Um, but I—I I think I had no choice but to sort of get over it. I mean, when you're lying there and you can't do anything and you can't function, you sort of just—you have no choice but to cope with it, don't you? I think you know we all understand that feeling. Um, you know, I, I lost everything. I lost my job. I was all my—I was doing volunteering. I was doing a degree, and I, all of it was just wiped out at once. So, you know, as frustrating as the coming out thing was, it was just one thing in the big cesspool of shite that I had to deal with. <laughs> So if I just got on with it, really. Well, I mean, I think that is, I think that I'm going to be careful not to use the word inspiring, but I think it's, it's, I think it is, I think it is, you know, I think it is really cool that you were like, fuck it, I'm going to just lean into this super hard. And it kind of, it kind of leans into my own personal mantra of like, I'm going to do disability harder today. and I'm going to be even more disabled than I need to be because fuck what you think this is my reality, and if you don't like it, then you don't get to know me. Hell yeah, it's a privilege to know you, Andrew, and, you know. Oh, yeah, my disabled, crippled heart swell everywhere. Just there. It's <laughs> awesome. So, Julian, I want to ask you the same bunch of questions, but also want to, I want to learn from you your coming out experience as both trans and as both um, disabled and what that's been like for you. Yeah, um, well, firstly, I really want to comment on 
the I had no idea like the parallels between me and Dandy. Um, I because of like I was telling you, my condition has a big neurological component. Um, I have a demyelinating. <clears throat> it's a peripheral type of neuropathy, um, but it's sort of like MS, so it's relapsing and remitting. And not I came out when I was 14, but when I was 18, when I started my transition, I also was hit with a huge wave of neurological issues that um, left me unable to use one side of my body. So I was also bound to my house. I had to leave school, and I lost everything, like a very similar uh, situation to you, um, which is crazy. I didn't know that at all before, like, jumping on here. Um, just listening to you tell that, like, it kind of blew my mind for a second. I was like, wow, like, I relate so much to what you're saying. All right best now. friends. Everybody yeah. comes together on this show. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, um, you know, like I said, I didn't come out at that, that day or that time, but not, or shortly, like, before that, I started testosterone, and then I my dreams of, like, working out and getting buff were, like, just nixed, like, out of the way, you know, and I wanted to, because um, a lot of times when, like, trans men start T, they're like, oh, I'm going to, like, work out and, like, get muscles, and then suddenly I, I couldn't walk, so I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> that's not going to happen, like, <laughs> I have to lay in bed, though, um, but, yeah, so for me, like, to answer your original question, um, I came out when I was 14, so I was really, really young, um, and my family is extremely conservative. Uh, they, you know, they voted for Trump twice. Um, they're, oh. I, I know, yeah. They're uh, very old world Italian. Um, so one of my family is from Italy. So there's like, a, you know, a culture difference as well as um, just very conservative views. So that was really difficult. Um I told my friends long before I told my parents that I was trans and my friends were okay with it, most of them. Um, my school wasn't. I had to change schools multiple times um, until being able to go to school somewhere where people weren't trying to, like, kick my ass every day. I um, really I, – I always forget because I'm a cis person. I always forget, like – and I don't understand how somebody could – if you said I identify like this – how mm-hmm. a school could say you're not welcome here. Like, that's so... That well, it wasn't the school. It was the kids. Um, so, like, I had a pretty decent group of friends, but an ex-boyfriend of mine, like, got everyone in the school to, you know, get on my case, essentially. People um, are great. Yeah. Stay yeah. forever. It's just cooler that way. Yeah, so, you know, and then shortly after, um, I had to tell my parents because I started to change my appearance, and they were noticing. Um, Come to find out, though, when I told them, they just thought I was a lesbian, so I probably could have not told them for a while, (laughs) but, like, I did, so. Um, And, you know, they were obviously not okay with it. Um, I told my mom first, and she was just in shock um I came into her room one day and I was like I have something to tell you and she was like you're a lesbian and I was like no um I wanted to drive to the beach because that's normally where we'd go and talk about things and I we drove there 
or we tried to drive there and she pulled over on the side of the road and was like, I need to know what you have to tell me because I'm so nervous. And I was like, I'm a boy. (laughs) She was like, "Uh, like, I don't understand. Um, And I didn't tell my dad for two more years after that because I was so terrified to tell him. Um, And I told him in a letter, I wrote him a letter uh, because my mom was like, you have to tell him. I'm so sick of keeping the secret. And I gave him the letter and he read it, he threw it away, and then he didn't speak to me about it for two more years, like, in oh. person. That's so hard. Like, that breaks my heart. Like, I'm listening to this story being like, what? Yeah. And, the- and yep, and then I was living with them, still um, nearing adulthood, and, you know, I told them I was going to start hormones, and they were like, no, like, you can't live here. So... um and at this time, I, w- I wasn't, I wouldn't have identified as disabled, but like now knowing what I know now about disability, I was disabled, but I was still like on my internalized bullshit, you know? Um, Isn't ableism the best? Yeah. So like, I was like, oh no, I'm fine. Um, so that was when I started college. I worked three jobs to support myself because I was essentially homeless, like, I was couch surfing around friends' houses, you know, trying to pay for my transition, being disabled, working a gazillion jobs, and I hit that big crash of, like, all that neurological stuff happening to me, and it just wrecked my life um, for that time period and my transition. So that was really tough, like letting go of a lot of things that I thought would happen with my transition that did not. Um, It's come full circle for me now because now that I know I have other conditions that affect my transition besides just like not being able to work out um, like I wanted to, there's actually a hormonal thing that I can't overcome. Um, I've come, I'm at a lot more peace with it because my transition was never going to go that way anyways, even if, like, I was a a walking person right now or a person that was able to uh, do, like, gainful activity. It's actually a a genetic thing inside. So now I'm like, okay, well, I might as well just enjoy that I have curves and, like, wear whatever I want (laughs) because... It's me. Like, I mean, we've seen your photos on the social media, and we've seen how, like, <laughs> stunning they are. So, yeah, I Thank think, you. you know, I think you've done pretty well by those curves. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. It's it's just how my body is, and it took a long time to start to love it, but it keeps me alive somehow, <laughs> so I, I do, you know. As my good friend Ace Ratcliffe says all the time, you're just a bag of meat. We're just bags of meat. Yeah. That happens to be moving around. So I've always, whenever I have a bad day, I just kind of remind myself of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Um, but I want to shift gears to to the book a little bit because, and thank you, Julian and Danny, for being so forthcoming with your coming out stories because not easy, and I know that people are going to be watching and listening to this, so thank you so much for sharing with 
the handy cast about all that because because people need to understand that coming out is a multi-layered, multi-faceted thing. Oh yeah, before we move move ahead, Julian, I also um, I've noticed on your social media that you have been de- you deal with a lot of a lot of haters when you put a when you put a sexy photo out and you put like photo shoots and you you deal with a lot of people saying really transphobic and uncomfortable things about your body and about your both your trans identity and your disability identity and I just wanted to understand from you how do you navigate all that? Um, to be honest, like I'm not gonna say it doesn't affect me because I do have days where I'm like, wow, I wish people were not like this. Um, but honestly, more so when I get the transphobic comments, they make me laugh. Like they're almost they're almost like too ridiculous that they're kind of funny in a way. And then, but when I think of ableism, like, people would be surprised, I think, and I've said this before, I've experienced more ableism than I have transphobia. And I think, not to, like, they're both bad things, but to me, the ableism is worse because everyone does it. Like, it's so, it can be so, yes, it's so, like, just subtle and ingrained in everything that somehow to me it hurts worse. Um, plus the way that they talk about us like in, in the government or like in systems, like we're not people. Um, but the transphobia is like, it's so out there and it's so like in your face. I think it's easy to just be like, Oh my God, like what, what's going through like that person's head. Um, but a lot of the times I will, like you've seen, probably I'll respond to a comment, like I'll kind of blast someone on my page and make like a mockery of it. Um, but behind the scenes, if I get messages, um, I usually take an educational approach. Like my rule is always with ableism or transphobia, it's I'm going to try to give this person the benefit of the doubt. Like I'm going to hear what they have to say. I'll be like, okay, tell me your your grievances. Um, and then I'll explain to them, you know, here's why it's wrong. And I'll, I'll try to do it in like a lovingly educational way. And sometimes that opens up a door of a conversation that can be life changing for that person. And then other times they'll just be like, fuck you back. And and you're just like, okay, well, see you later. Mm -hmm. Like I tried. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the educational piece for me and what I do in my work as a you know disability consultant, that's kind of the tactic I wanted to take because the anger is valid. I totally get it, and, and but the anger is also really painful and it hurts and it makes you sick. And like with all of our body stuff, like I have IBS and I have a bunch of gastro issues, and like to be sick and angry all the time, and then angry because you're sick, and then sick because you're it, I don't want to do it anymore. So I'd rather yeah. give people the tools to learn. And be like, let's talk about this versus, like, let me be mad at you and then it's not worth it. Yeah, because even when I do kind of, like, blast someone or make make fun back, I always have still an educational, like, component to it. Because I understand, I you know, the teacher's heart, like, an educator heart. Like, I understand that sometimes it could be maybe that person has never met a trans person, never met a disabled person. Maybe they've they've just never learned something like this. I try to listen to what they have to say because maybe no one has listened to it. And if you kind of like 
if you get put it, down that guard like of anger and just have a conversation, it can be good sometimes. So, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Dandy, really quickly, um, just what has that been like for you? Um, in terms of getting things on social media, you mean? Oh, things on social media, just dealing with the haters. Like, do you take an educational approach, or are you like, fuck you, this is the way I'm dealing with it? Like, what's your... I like messing with them. I like... Um, <laughs> do, um, I don't know if you've been on my on my Instagram, but I had a really good conversation with someone that was basically trying to extort money for a wheelchair, and he... Oh, he, no. He wasn't, like, a real... I mean, obviously he's a real person, but he wasn't actually, you know, a disabled person looking for help. He was just like someone just trying to scam people. And I had really good fun with him, and it was so good that I, I posted all the screenshots. So uh, that's how I do it. <laughs> you're, a little, you're a little potster. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I used to, I used to, I used to really take it on board when I first started. You know, I had some comments about, you know, my opinions about being queer and you know I'd have people messaging me saying oh don't use the word queer it's like you know you can't use the word queer it's and I'm like what do I call myself then a potato like I am queer like I, I, I mean, don't know potatoes are really sexy I have a lover that I calls mean, me a, a potato and I mean it's it's hot I'm gonna start using that now you suggested that I'm, I'm do, it, on board. do it <laughs> but um yeah no it really it did get to me in the beginning and it did you know before my skin got a little bit thicker online it did make me pause and think, well, why am I doing this? You know, because I am sick. And like you said, you know, feeling angry and frustrated and upset at what's going on in the world or in social media, like it does impact our physical health. Yeah. So we have to really be careful with that. Um, but very slowly, I think, as my self-confidence built, I started to realise that actually I was always putting their opinion above my own opinion. I was always saying, you know, oh, well, these people that are messaging me to say, oh, they're so upset because I've used the word queer or I've used the word cripple or whatever, you know, they, I'm putting their opinion above what I think. And at the moment I stopped doing that was the moment that social media became something that is, you know, enjoyable, fun. It's become something of, you know, a possible career path for me now because, it's the only way that I can make money. I mean, I'm bedbound most of the time, and I, I can't really do anything else. Um, so yeah, it's become fun, but I think it takes time, and I think it takes connecting with other people like yourselves who have been through the same thing and have the same goal, which is you know we actually ultimately we want to educate people. We want to make them see us and see that we have things to say and that we have valid things to contribute. Um, and I think that is the way forward. You know, if you are feeling disheartened is connect with the rest of the community because they're amazing people out there like yourselves thank you uh, yeah you know i've followed both of your pages before i before i drew you (laughs) so um you know yeah it's been lovely it's been lovely getting to know all these wonderful people who are funny and you're all you know really gracious to people and you seek to educate them and you seek to you know make the world a better place and it's like I would never, I, that's what I think, I would have never found this community, I would have never found all these people had this illness not happened to me. So on the days that I'm feeling really crap, I think that's myself. I think, do you know what, my life has gone down a tangent, and it's a wonderful, beautiful tangent, and actually I need to be thankful for that. I mean, and that's, that's a hard, and I've done that too, like I, if I didn't 
pivot into disability activism, I wouldn't be where I am today, and I wouldn't know who I know, and I wouldn't be looking at your beautiful faces right now doing this. So, like, <laughs> I'm so thankful that I got to do that, but, I'll, like, there are moments where I'm like, fuck, I hate this. Like, I don't want to do Like, I don't want to. Like, this is really hard. But I remember that, like, thank goodness for that, because it's carved out a career path for me. It's carved out, like, my job. It is what I do now. And well, in the moments when I'm like, fuck you, disability, fuck you, I'm like, no, no, wait. Your disability brought this to you. Like, give it some, give it some, give it a, some space to be a, to be thanked. So yeah, I fully understand that. Um, because we are also talking about the book, I want to, I want to go back to you, Danny, for a minute because, um, you, as we said at the beginning, are the fantastic illustrator of all of the 50 contributors of the handy book of Love, Lost, and Disability. And I have to ask you. What was it like getting the call from the handy team to be the illustrator for this book? Um, well, as I was I was discussing with you um before we started recording, I initially I was contacted um uh I think by uh the editor Jess, um or it was Heather. I think I was contacted by several people at once. It was very strange. I thought, well, who are all these people from this organization? <laughs> <laughs> they seem really like they wanna wanna go for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, originally I was going to be a contributor and then I just thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool if there was like little illustrations, um, of people's faces to like go with their piece so that people could connect with them. Um, and it would also, you know, give the project a sort of coherent, consistent style. And I thought, you know what, I can bring that to the table. And I just said to you, um, it wasn't until that the photos started coming in and they were like full body photos with full wheelchairs and complex, you know, and I thought, Okay, um, not what I thought, but you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do so this. So here you were thinking I'm going to do a little tiny little face thing. I mean, it'll be <laughs> yeah. easy, and like then I'll be done. And then they come back with, oh, can you just do a whole full body? Yes. <laughs> and I don't think it started off as fifty. I think it started off as thirty. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then it was like slowly crept up, and I was like, <laughs> I'll go on then. <laughs> um, and so what was that? What was the process of like? Using, say, Julian and I as, like, the examples, what was the process of, like, drawing us, and what was that, what were you looking for when you were putting the illustrations together? I think um, what I wanted to do was to really convey, like, who people were, and I think sometimes, like, photographs don't do that, they don't quite capture, like, the vibrancy and the fun of people, and I think, you know, when you're illustrating people, like I do, with, like, bright colours and, you know, lots of sort of bright details. It really brings them to life, and I think that's something that people need to see disabled people being. They need to mm-hmm. see us as vibrant, and we're coming to life, and, you know, we're not <laughs> sitting in grey cardigans eating soup. I don't know what they think we do. Listen, <laughs> I love I love me a grey cardigan, and I love me some soup. So, like, sometimes that happens. <laughs> but it's not all we do, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a really long process, and it was really, um, you know, every time that I started someone, I would like look up their social media because I was given their social media like handle, and I really felt like I got to know these people, and that was what was a real privilege about doing it. I got to know this wonderful community of people that were really open about, you know, talking about a subject that actually is still very taboo with a lot of people, which is sex. You know, a lot of people, when I when I said to family members, oh, yes, I'm doing a book about sex and disability, they sort of raise their eyebrows. I don't know what they think I'm drawing. 
I love um, how you sort of said that with the posh British accent there for a minute, and you sort of like turned that's into how my relative sound in my head. You sort of turned into Princess Di for a second there, and the Queen a little bit. Oh, what? Yeah. That, that I, could you compliment me any higher than calling me Princess Di? I mean, Di, listen, Andrew, listen. Lord. The crown, the crown is coming out next week. I'm going to go off on a oh. total tangent here. The crown is coming out next week. By the time you listen to this, it'll come out in four days. I cannot wear. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm really interested to see sort of what happens with the narrative because, you know, it's very a uh, touchy subject with the British people. So um, I just want Gillian Anderson to be on screen for the whole. Can she just be like, can we, can we go on dates? I'm a gay man, okay? A the thing man. is, Andrew, like that, <laughs> the character she's playing, I know we're going off on a tangent, the character she's playing is hated, is hated by anyone she who is, is a conservative. She's a queen actress, not not Margaret Thatcher, not Mar- but but no, I just no, but no. Gillian Anderson, yes. Oh, Gillian like, Anderson is you know the bee's knees, and it's very confusing if you love Gillian Anderson but hate Margaret Thatcher. I know, it's, yeah. It's a real it's a real headbutt for everyone. So we're, we're as the whole of the British country is waiting to see what happens with that while Americans look on, and it's oh, I, you know for I, them it's just fiction. I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, that was a tangent that we weren't, that I wasn't going to go off on, but here we are. <laughs> but so, so, yeah, your family, so your family is kind of like, oh, she's doing a book on sex and disability, oh. I think, I think some of them are like that, but I mean, particularly my mum. My mum is so used to me just doing outlandish things now and just like completely speaking my mind and being who I am. I mean, she's, she just rolls her eyes at this point and says, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do, which is Maybe. really nice. Um, Good, it gives you free reign to do whatever you need to do. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's not, and I live with her as well, so I mean, she has to put up with it, doesn't she? <laughs> oh. Hi, Dandy's mom. Hi, can't see you, but I say hi anyway. <laughs> um, um, and so, Julian, I want to move over to you because you, I wanted to ask you, and we're gonna we're gonna hopefully do a Instagram live with you at some point about more about the book. But I want to ask you as a contributor, what was it like, kind of? And I remember that I approached you for this project. What was it like for you being approached to be a part of this book? I was excited. I mean, I'm, I've been a, I don't know if you know this, but I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. <laughs> so oh, I, was, I, I didn't know, but now I do. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm shy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, I, I mean it. So, like, I was like... I, I don't know. I think maybe I have reached out to you on Instagram before, but I've always been just, like, observing you at least. If I haven't reached out, I don't remember because messages on Instagram. Who knows? But, like, I've been observing for a while and been like, I really want to do something together. Like, I want to work together somehow. So getting that email was like, I was like, ah, you know, I was excited. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. Well, because the team asked me, like, who do you know that's really, like, disability popular? And I was like, well, I don't know them, but I know them on social media, and I can, like, throw out a DM, and, like, we've chatted for, like, two years about getting you on some sort of podcast, and mm-hmm. it just never materialized. So when I finally got the chance, when you emailed me a couple weeks ago and said, oh, my goodness, like, let's finally do it, I was like, oh, finally, good, finally, yes. So, um, but, I mean, for you, when, it, when, it, when you were asked to, like, write some of the stuff that we were, the questions we were asking, like, I remember as a contributor, being asked some of those questions from the team, I was like, holy fuck, these questions are, like, really cutting to the deep, the deep realness of, like, being a disabled person, and how the hell do I answer this? How did you feel 
kind of wading into that stuff and having to answer some really, not tough questions, but really deep stuff. Um, I felt invigorated. Like, I, I'm one of those people where I have a very hard time. I think this is the autism, <laughs> but, like, I have a very hard time with, uh, like, small talk. When I meet people, I'm like, let's talk about, like, the deepest thing the deepest ever immediately. <laughs> like, Why aren't we best friends already? I'm like, can we, can we like, spend three hours talking? <laughs> let's do yeah. a whole episode about that. Yeah. Literally. Like, my partner always laughs at me because at 3 a.m. I'll just be like, I'll just ask some question like I'll be like what do you think it's like to like die or something like I'll just like ask something just totally like she's like I'm trying to go to sleep like don't ask me like scary questions like that um but so yeah for me I I don't know that stuff excites me like I'm constantly um you know I went to school for neuropsychology and I studied um people with antisocial personality disorder who uh engaged in criminal activity so I actually got to go to like a prison and interview people with uh, violent crimes it's also in popular culture what we call like sociopaths or psychopaths even though we don't clinically use that word so I've always been really into like how people's brains work getting into deep things I like talking about stuff like that like I'm I'm very much it excites me so oh, there's so many things that after we're done recording this, I have, like, five things I want to talk to you about that aren't about this. But, yes, because there's a podcast you should be a guest on that I'm going to introduce you to the people. Um, Ooh, okay. <laughs> but, but, uh, so, when you were, like, so which questions, from what you remember, like, which question that that you kind of had to answer where you were like, hmm, this is, how do I answer this? Like, did you feel stumped or were you, like, ready to, it sounds like you're ready to just dive in. Um, I don't remember which question it was, but I know there was one about, I mean, I think a couple, there were obviously about sex, but it was about, I think like, I have to look, I have to look. (laughs) I don't have a good memory. Do you have it up or should I? I can think about the one I'm, the one I can think about, we can allude to it, but I want to talk to you more about it on the Instagram live for the, for Handy. So I'm going to quickly allude to it. The one you talked about pleasure and pain a little bit. Yes, that, yes. Like. Yeah, and you were really forthcoming in your quote. You were really like, like, I, you were like, you talked a lot about how like pleasure and pain were so linked to your disability. What was it like putting those thoughts on paper? Like it sounds, given that you said that you like to like dive right in, it sounds like you were just like, oh, cool, I'll just tell this story, no big deal. Yeah. Well, for me, I feel very similar. Like I relate to what Dandy said about how every day you feel like uh, you're rebelling against kind of like the social norms are like probably the patriarchy, like everything because of just existing and like being who who you are, like who all of us are is naturally political, even though like if we don't want to be, we are like it. It's exciting to get into something like that, especially the pleasure, pain thing, disability, because already disabled people aren't talked about in a, in a sexual way where kind of like it, uh, baby like people don't think we are sexual Um, exactly I can't say that word but thank you that's where I was going um so for me to talk about like kinky stuff relating to disability uh it feels so freeing like I'm like I want people to know that I'm kinky because they don't think that 
disabled people are. So I'm like, I'm very much like, I need you Have to they know follow this. your Instagram feed? Because yeah. like, if they look at your Instagram feed for like five seconds, they'd know you were kinky. Like, I literally ran away. Exactly. I was like, yeah, yeah got it. Uh, so, um, what do you, th- and so Dandy, the same kind of thing for you. Like when you were putting down some of your questions, uh, some of your answers as a contributor, what did that feel like for you? Like, was it freeing, like Julian said, or was, were you more apprehensive or were you just excited? Like what? was the feeling that came to you I think it was a mix of both I mean I think it was you know it was it was a a strange process really because I hadn't really thought about a lot of the things until I started writing about them and started actually answering the questions um and so actually it was really quite a therapeutic process for me I mean I'd, I'd recommend I don't know whether Handy can put those questions up on their social media at some point but I'd recommend people answering them for themselves and thinking you know how do I feel about this and how does this make me feel? I'm sure um, we could. Editor Heather or editor handy person, <laughs> listen to that part and make that happen. <laughs> It'll probably yeah. be me. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to do it because it's, 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 a, it's a really great tool for actually making you ask yourself questions that maybe you wouldn't in your day-to-day life because you're so busy functioning, trying to function at least, and you're so busy, you know, getting through your day-to-day that actually you don't stop and ask yourself, well, what has it been like, you know, grappling with my disabled identity? So actually, I found it really therapeutic. And I <laughs> I don't think I've ever been quiet about giving my opinion on anything. So it was also quite exciting. <laughs> so, yeah, I love how you're both shit disturbers. I am so here for all of that. <laughs> that uh, is a great name. That's like a superhero gang name. The shit disturbers. It's also a great band name. If we ever, if we ever, I don't have any musical <laughs> ability, but if anybody wants to start a band that's called the shit disturbers, here for it. Brilliant. <laughs> the crip, the crip shit, dis, the crip, I'm trying to make it dis, the dis disturbers, the disturbers, the shit, di, I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Um, um, so this was an awesome conversation and there's so much more that I could talk to you about, but I don't want to. I don't want to have our audience with us for five more hours, but I want to ask you both, why do you think it's important that people with disabilities and without disabilities pick up the book? Um, I think everyone can learn something from the book. I think it's, you know, it's more important than ever now um, to learn about other people's experiences and to learn to put yourself in the shoes of other people. Um, so I think it's a great educational tool for people who aren't disabled, but also, you know, it, it literally will change the lives of disabled people. You know, there will be disabled people out there that have never thought that they are, you know, allowed to have some kind of sexual drive or sexual identity. Um, and this book will change their lives. And I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be evangelical about it. I'm going to be going around <laughs> to everyone, shoving copies of it in everyone's faces. Have you read this? Have you read this? So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I just think it's fantastic. Obviously, I do. <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> well, thank you so much for saying that. And and Julian, the same to you. Why do you think? Why do you want people to pick up this book? Uh, I think it does two things. I think the first thing that it could do for other disabled folks is it's kind of like awakening something, something in them, like whether it's sexually or making them look introspectively at something to do with internalized ableism or kind of just how they navigate the world. I think that could be, uh, as Danny said, life-changing for for that person. Um, And I think for if an able-bodied person or, you know, 
a not chronically ill person were to pick it up, I think it could really educate them, like, on the level that we need them to be educated, because I like to call a lot of, I like to call the conversations we have with able-bodied people, like, they're, like, level one. They're, like, don't touch my service dog, or, like, don't, don't say, don't ask me why I'm disabled, but, like, in the, they don't realize that, like, in the disability community, we're, like, deep into, like, yeah, we're like level, level like 4A with a, a million. Yeah, yeah. 4A through Z. We're like, can we get, can you get there with us? Please hurry up, get there. Please yeah, get there. so I think that could help because, like, while those conversations, those, like, level one conversations, they're still needed to kind of, like, cement along. Like, we need to keep having them, but, like, we need them to, we need the able to catch up with us. And I think that's a great resource is getting, getting into the, those books, those deeper topics on disability that they just don't, they don't have that education currently. Yeah, we want you to go deep into mm-hmm. sex and disability. That's what we want you to do. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. and I definitely made a sex pun. For sure I did. Um, so, you lovely humans, how can the people listening and watching you right now, how can they get a hold of you? How can they follow your work? We'll start with you, Dandy. Um, well, I can be found mostly on Instagram, um, at Dandy Doodles. Um, I've also got a website, which is dandydoodles.com, but the uh, the best way to get hold of me is is through Instagram because uh, I spend all day on it and in my bed. <laughs> so I'm all awesome. there. Uh, and so it's Dandy Doodles with a V, so I'll make sure that that's yeah. in the show notes of the podcast and on anything that we do visually so people can see how it's spelled properly and they can follow you there. And Julian, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I am the disabled hippie on Instagram. Um, I also have a publication. I just started it. It's called Disabled with Dignity. So uh, other disabled people can submit pieces of writing there. So both of those pages are primarily where I'm going to do my work. And I have the link for both of those in the Disabled Hippie. So. Cool. Well, let me know if you need a contributor because I would love to write for you. Please. Yeah. Both, either of you. Yeah. Anybody. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Well, this is a great episode of the Handicast. Um, thank you both so much for sitting down with us and being so open about your coming out experiences and also your experiences with disability and, and shining some light on that. And just thank you so much for doing this, both of you. And, and I, I know we're all in different time zones, so it's, like, hard for all of us to to, to – what are the words I want to say? It's hard for all of us to, to get things clamped down properly, so – Thank that is not the words I want to use, but thank you so much for coming on. Um, this has been a great episode of the Handicast. This is Handicast number eight. If you want to follow the work of Austin Handy, you can go to our website, www.thatshandy.co, and you can pre-order our book there, The Handy Book of Love, Lust, and Disability, where you'll see contributions from Julian and Dandy and myself, along with 47 other beautiful disabled people who have Bared their souls. If you want to pre-order the book right now, it's available in in a physical copy and ebook. And my dulcet tones are one half of the audiobook. So so pick it up right now, and we would love your support. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye.